HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Whole Foods Market, a dynamic leader in the quality food business, a mission-driven company that aims to set the standards of excellence for food retailers. For more information, visit WholeFoodsMarket.com. Hi, this is Celia Kutcher, host of Animal Instinct, and you are listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. You're listening to Let's Get Real, the cooking show about finding, preparing, and eating food on Heritage Radio Network. With me, Erica Wides, your host. We cut out the song a little short there. It's supposed to go to the end. It's okay. Whatever. Just more of me, less music. Anyway, when I first joined the humble Heritage Radio Network family in its wee infancy, like, I don't know, six or maybe seven years ago, I can't even remember what year it was anymore when we started this big project here i can't even remember but when i first joined i had the second show on the air after patrick and it was called why we cook why we cook remember it you might be familiar with it why we cook and it was more of like a traditional look at food and cooking techniques less political less editorializing less kvetchy less funny for sure but but still really good, like, you know, lots of good info. And But I would, like, discuss different specific things like eggplant or types of sauces. And I'd give anecdotes from my career experiences and maybe a few recipes. It was, like, more NPR and less HRN, you know, kind of more old school traditional radio. But it was a really good way to find my writing voice and my radio voice sort of like all came together for me there. And sometimes I miss doing a more traditional show like that one, actually, because it's this one's harder to do. Um, but this one is more fun in a way and more entertaining and silly. And um, so that's why I do this one. Now. I did 100 episodes of Why We Cook, and then I started Let's Get Real. And guess what? Today is woo 150th episode of Let's Get Real. Yay! We're having a party. Can you hear the background noise? Woo, party. Anyway, around the same time that I was doing Why We Cook, I was also, at that t- time, doing a lot of lap swimming. 
in a class for people who were training for triathlons. So it was a class to help you with your swim skills for swimming triathlons, like open water swimming, like in the ocean, which I had no zero interest in doing. But it was a good class for learning how to swim better. I was definitely not training for a triathlon, although because of that, I eventually did compete in one. And I'm proud to say I came in third from last after a blind woman and an 11-year-old girl. Okay. Or no, before them. Sorry. Third from last. Yeah. I was third from last. The blind woman was second to last. And the 11-year-old girl was last. I know. It's kind of sad. But no, I was only taking the class so I could become a better lap swimmer, which I never was despite years of swimming lessons and having basically grown up in and on the water. We had a boat. I was in the water all summer. And I mean, I could always swim. I just couldn't do any like real strokes for any length of time. I don't think I had very good swimming lessons, frankly. Um, So I'm a much better swimmer now. I'm a much better lap swimmer now. But I still find it excruciatingly boring. Like lap swimming to me is so boring. I've never been able to reach that state of like zen, that like meditative feel of repetition that people who swim tell me that they get. It's just not happening for me. It's, I just want to get out of the pool. It's so boring. But one night years ago, right around when I was first doing Why We Cook, as I was struggling through the laps and the drills with all the people who were much faster than me and much better swimmers than me, I had to be in the lane on the end because I was so slow. But one night as I was swimming, I had a revelation about cooking. I may have told you this story before, but, you know, let's repeat. So I had this revelation about cooking while I was swimming. Now, as I was swimming, you know, I was staring down at the bottom of the pool through my goggles because that's what you do. You look down. And I saw a plastic toy fish that had been abandoned there by the kiddie swim class, I suppose. You know, dropped there, forgotten. And suddenly, as I was swimming and I saw this fish, I realized I had a major revelation about cooking. And I realized that cooking is really just simply a matter of controlling water, specifically about the removal of water from food. That's really all cooking is. You apply heat. The heat causes the water to turn to steam and leave the food. That's it. That's what cooking is. I mean, there are other things that happen. Proteins congeal and fats melt and starches gelatinize and all that. But it's really about the water. I mean, think about it. Baking, roasting, frying, sauteing. What are you doing? You're processing the food using heat in a way that selectively removes the water. That's what happens. And I got so excited about this like breakthrough revelation while I was swimming that I went home and I wrote a whole episode of why we cook all about it because really that's why we cook to take the water out of our food to make it cooked. I mean, other things happen too. And it's become my personal unified theory of everything cooking this thing about the water. And I mention it all the time right now, many times before, but especially when I'm teaching. When I teach, I talk about this a lot. And even non-heat food preservation methods are also about water removal or control. I mean, think about pickling and smoking and dehydrating and preserving. All of them are about removing or controlling water movement. So that was really a great moment in my swimming history because I had a breakthrough, not in swimming, but I had a breakthrough while I was swimming. And I will never forget that moment. 
And while I do love to be in the water, I do love being in the water, I just could not take the boredom of lap swimming anymore. It made me depressed. It made me more depressed than I am today because I have this thing going on with my knee and I can hardly walk. And that's making me depressed. But the lap swimming boredom was just torturous for me. But I still wanted to be in the water and getting some form of water exercise. And so a few years ago, I discovered synchronized swimming which I've mentioned before here too. Now, I think most people are familiar with synchronized swimming. It's in the Olympics. It was just in that, what was that movie? That new movie? What's her name? There was a synchronized swim in a recent movie. Um, But if you're not familiar with synchronized swim, during the break, I want you to go onto YouTube and just look up some synchro routines. And most likely you're going to come upon insanely, ridiculously athletic women, mostly women, doing basically the equivalent of Olympic gymnastics in the deep end of a pool in 12 feet of water in total synchronization while wearing lipstick and smiling and holding their breath. Okay, that's what it is. Remember how someone once asked Ginger Rogers about, you know, how was it hard to dance with Fred Astaire? And she said, yeah, it's hard because I do everything that he has to do, but I do it backwards and in heels. This is synchronized swimming. You're basically doing everything backwards in heels in the water holding your breath. It's hard with lipstick on, smiling. Now, that's not me. I I don't do any of that. I am not, you know, I'm just a beginner. There's nothing going on like that. And unfortunately, I'm not as good at it as I thought I would be. I had this like image of myself like, oh, I'm very athletic and I'm strong and, you know, I'm flexible. Like, oh, I'm going to be great at this. Well, um, no, humbled yet again, because it's actually really, really hard. It's like a lot harder than I thought. And it's harder in a way than lap swimming, but it's exponentially more fun than lap swimming. And I'm in a very small group with only, there's only four of us and two instructors. So that's pretty great. We get a lot of one-on-one and we have a great time. We're actually making exceptionally good progress. So there you go. But anyway, where am I going with this? So this past Sunday, I get to the pool for my class and I'm early and I'm swimming a few warm-up laps begrudgingly swimming warm-up laps and what do i spot in the bottom of the deep end more plastic fish more little plastic fish and plastic rings and other random plastic toys which makes total sense because the pool that we use is at a private school that's only a kindergarten through eighth grade school so a lot of little kids use that pool and so i guess they use those toys to teach them how to swim which also explains the teeny weeny size of the lockers because they're for like six-year-olds And also the extra high chlorine levels because, um, you know, kids. So as I'm swimming and I'm looking at the fish toys on the pool floor, I'm reminiscing about my watery revelation about cooking of years back. And as I'm figuratively patting myself on the back while actually doing the crawl, I remember an article that I just read very recently about real, living, actual plastic fish. Now, not little toy pink and blue and yellow plastic fish, little, you know, fake dories, but fish who have ingested millions and trillions of microparticles of plastic that they mistook for food in the ocean and who are now made up of so much plastic that they basically become that plastic fish. Toxic, inedible, chemical-filled plastic fish. This is what it's come to now, folks. Our fish are made up of plastic. Our oceans are so filled with discarded plastic 
which gets bashed up and beaten and ground up by the energy of the ocean into these tiny microparticles that our sea life, all our edible and inedible sea life, is now filled with plastic sand because they ingest it while they feed. They can't tell the difference. They just eat it. It's shiny. It's bright colors. They think it's food. And once they ingest it, they can't digest it. So it gets stuck inside of them where it starts to break down and reacts with their digestive enzymes and leaches all sorts of nastiness into their systems. And then they die because they become so bloated with indigestible particles that they starve to death. If they're not first poisoned by the decaying trash inside of them. You see why I hate lap swimming? It brings up all kinds of trauma for me, okay? That's the problem with swimming laps. I strongly suggest you don't do it. I would switch to synchro. It's way more fun, and you get to wear lipstick and swim upside down. It's very cool. Now, plastic inside fish stomachs is bad enough. I mean, never mind the overfishing and the mercury levels in fish and our rising water temperatures and algal, algal, algae blooms algal blooms, all of that. I mean, our poor sea life, they really don't have a chance. It's amazing there's anything left out there, right? We are really so intent on destroying everything around us, aren't we? Not just the oceans, but everything. It's like we look at something beautiful and green and alive and we go, let's kill that fucker. We don't need that. Didn't anybody listen to Leo's Oscar speech on Sunday about the planet? Come on, people. Even Leo's talking about it. Now, those plastic microparticles in the ocean come, of course, from plastic trash, which we are drowning in. You know about the Pacific Gyre and those miles-long rafts of plastic just floating around in the ocean. The water bottles and packaging and old toys and synthetic textile fibers and food wrappers. I mean, you name it. If it's made out of a synthetic, if it's made from petroleum, it's going to wind up in the ocean. And there it gets pounded and pummeled and ground and turned into dust, which then gets eaten by fish. Oh, and microbeads, too. You know about those? Microbeads are those teeny tiny little pieces of plastic that are added to face scrubs for exfoliation purposes. Exfoliation plastic. Those little nasty bits have been found in Great Lakes fish, too. So making this not just an oceanic fish problem, but a lake problem also. So I actually want to put, like, have a shout-out here right now and thank the dinosaurs from a long time ago for dying and decaying and turning into oil, which we then discovered and then realized we could make plastic out of. And now look at what a mess that we've created of things. So thank you, dinosaurs. Maybe if you hadn't died, we wouldn't be in this mess we're in right now. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, let's celebrate our 150th episode. Woo! She walked into the backyard and stood out from the rain. Today's program is proudly brought to you by Whole Foods Market, America's healthiest grocery store with more than 400 locations throughout the United States. Download the Whole Foods Market app on your smartphone for recipes, sales, information, and digital coupons. Or visit WholeFoodsMarket.com to find a store closest to you. Welcome back to our 150th episode, Semi-Celebration. 
I'm a little glum today. You can hear it. My knee is messed up, people, and that's not good. I can't be held down by a bad knee, and the hiking season is coming up. Anybody know anything about knees, about the meniscus? I think it's my meniscus. Let me know. Email me or Twitter or something. Get in touch. Anyway, I was talking about those microbeads in those face scrubs for exfoliating. Oh, my God. Really? Do we have to, like, put plastic in our skincare products? Also, if you want to exfoliate your face, use food, okay? Use sugar. Use salt. That's what people have been using for thousands of years. Women have rubbed sugar or salt all over their skin. It works. It dissolves. Goes into the water. It's fine. Not plastic sand, morons. Don't buy those stupid products. Oh, and you know what? FYI, you don't really need to exfoliate anyway because um, that's what cell turnover is. Your skin kind of does it on its own for you. Just rub your face with a towel. It does the same thing. Now, personally, I don't even use anything to wash my face anymore. Uh huh. Just water. That's right. You heard it here. Just water. I have abandoned all skincare products. Yes, and I look pretty good for my age, I must say. Well, I do use sunblock because, you know, I'm getting old and kind of spotty. So I do use some sunblock. But you know what? I don't use shampoo either. No shampoo. Because all those chemical foaming agents and detergents and fragrances, they just go right down the drain and right back into the water and right back into all our sea critters. And I really like fish. And I don't want to eat fish with shampoo in them. So I don't want that in me. And I don't use it on my head either. No more shampoo. And you know what? What about all the drugs we take? The prescription drugs and the over-the-counter drugs and the illegal drugs. All that gets flushed right out in our pee, right back into the oceans, and bioaccumulated right back into our food supply. Yep. Seriously? Jesus, what have we done? What is an eco-conscious eater to do? Because if everything's so contaminated, what am I supposed to eat? Oh, my God. This is like the most depressing episode I've ever done. I think somebody needs to, like, bring me a drink. Well, of course, you know, there's fish farming, right? So we've destroyed the oceans. We've polluted and contaminated and killed off all our sea creatures. Let's farm fish. But farm fish has its own huge set of problems. And I'm always ranting and raving about those on here. And I don't want to consume farm fish because they're environmentally and ecologically unsound. And I I don't want it. But I'm always screaming about how eating wild is the only way. But now I'm not so sure. Because if the wild fish are all full of plastic and Prozac, I'm not sure I want to eat those either plastic and prozac america in the 21st century frankly i'm not so sure about anything food related anymore i think maybe i'm having a 150th episode existential crisis about food because i'm not really sure what i'm supposed to do about anything the more i know the less i feel like i know does this happen to people did einstein have this moment where he was like huh relativity i'm not so sure the more I know, I don't know if he felt that way. Even after 100 episodes of Why We Cook and 150 more of Let's Get Real, I'm more confused than ever. Remember I've taught, done shows about orthorexia? Seriously, I think I have orthorexia, where you know so much about food that you can't eat anything because everything you eat is problematic. Now, I know that me being more confused than ever is probably not very helpful to you because you probably tune in here to maybe get some advice or for me to teach you something, to impart some wisdom and some knowledge. But um, I don't know. I'm really sorry. You know, the more things change. 
I mean, I guess what we could all do is go out and buy some land, test the soil first to make sure it's not contaminated, make sure they're not about to build like a natural gas pipeline under it, like where my summer house is, make sure there's no fault lines, make sure, you know, there's no like high power electrical lines running overhead, make sure it's all good, get the soil tested, and then you could grow your own food. I suppose we could all grow our own food. We could revert back to the... 19th century agrarian model, like become Amish, basically harvest water from the rain, filter your own rainwater, maybe get a few goats. I don't know. Would that work? I mean, I'm sure it would be a lot more work than walking to Trader Joe's twice a week, which is what I do for my food and the farmer's market. But, you know, it's winter. I know, I'm sorry, this is all starting to get really depressing and I'm getting really bummed out on you. It's just this plastics thing. I'm I'm really obsessed with it. I mean, it's a good thing Benjamin didn't listen to that guy at his graduation party about plastics because if Benjamin had gone into plastics, things would be even worse right now, right? But I'm just, it's like I can't get it out of my head, this idea of all this plastic out there just floating around getting into everything, working its way up the food chain and into the system. I mean, even Mars, not the planet, the candy mega giant company, Mars. Although, you know what? There's probably a shitload of plastic on Mars, too. I'm sure we've left plastic behind. We left junk all over the moon. Oh, no, we didn't really go to the moon. That's right. That's a conspiracy. But even Mars, the candy mega corporation, M&M Mars, they had to have a, gl- a giant global recall of product recently because they found plastic in some chocolate in Britain. Like somebody's candy bar had plastic in it. So what do you do? You have to recall everything from all over the world. Of course you do. I mean, it's the only way to be safe. But seriously, think about like, think about what's involved in a global recall. And I bet what happened is like somebody at Mars was washing their face over the giant chocolate processing machines. Right. Or they were like, "Ooh, let's use chocolate on our face. or Maybe make a scrub or something. And maybe they dropped their product container into the big bin of big melted chocolate and it fell in and it got ground up. I bet that's what happened. See, that's why you should only use water on your face. You shouldn't use product or chocolate, but you should also use a little sunblock because like me, you're also getting old and a little spotty. So water and sunblock. You didn't know that I was going to give beauty advice here today, too, did you? Well, it's an added bonus that you get here. So Mars has had to recall millions of items because of one little piece of plastic was found in some candy. Now, think about the carbon footprint of that. Think about what is involved in sourcing, manufacturing, producing, packaging, making all of that product, and then shipping it all over the world. And then doing it in reverse, having to recall it, ship it all back. And then what do you do with it? You have to destroy it, which means unpackaging it. Well, I suppose you could just dump it in the packaging, but why would they do that? Because they're going to unpackage it. And then guess what they're going to do with all that candy, all that recalled candy? Just take a guess. Where's it going to go? Who's going to eat it? No, not humans. Well, indirectly humans. They're going to sell it to the beef cattle producers who are going to feed it to their cattle. Do you think I'm kidding? I am not kidding. Beef cattle get fed rejected candy in the U.S. I've done shows about this, too. The cattle eating the peeps. Beef cattle eat expired, outdated, damaged, cast-off surplus candy. 
How do you think they can raise the cattle so fast and so efficiently? They pump them full of candy and corn products, just like the people who will then eventually eat the cattle. They eat the same thing, candy and corn products. And then you eat more candy and corn products when you're eating the beef. We've discussed this before. Don't play dumb. You know all of this. It's one of the great recurring themes here of Let's Get Real. After 150 episodes, what do I have left to talk about anyway? So I did mention, right, this is the 150th episode of the show. Yes, it's 150, woo, but we really don't look a day over 100, right? We look pretty good. You know why? Because we use sunblock. That's why. And it's funny how I'm so opposed to all personal hygiene products like shampoo and face wash. But then I'll slather my face and hands and arms and shoulders in a thick goo of chemistry to avoid any contact with the greatest source of life on earth, the source of life on earth. Like without the sun, we would not exist, right? The sun is what, that's our source of life. And yet I will put chemicals all over my body to avoid the sun. You know, life is just full of conundrums and hypocrisy, and we all just have to learn to deal with it. That's part of getting older and being 150. We're going to take another short break. We come back, I'll try to cheer things up a little bit. real that was some weird ass music i didn't and i never knew if it was like ending or just stopping yeah okay we're done okay now welcome back to the 150th episode anniversary show of let's get real now remember i was saying like i don't know anything anymore i don't know i don't know i'm lost i'm confused but you know what there are a few things that i know for sure there are a few things that i know to be true and I am sticking with them these are the platforms of my no the planks of my platform my campaign I'm not changing my position on these no matter what and in honor of let's get real being 150 let's review them now shall we these are like three things that I really feel strongly about that I feel like if you ask me I will say unequivocally unequivocally these are Things I believe in. You ready? It's like asking Catholic, what do you believe in? The first one that I'm sticking with is about sticking or about not sticking. You know where I'm going with this one? Non-stick pans. The worst. The worst. Why would you use them? They're coated in PFOAs, which is a really long chemical name that I can't remember or say. But it's super toxic causes cancer you heat those pans up you're inhaling the fumes you scratch the surface you get it in your food it's in our water supply it's in us already basically we all have it in us and babies are now born pre-polluted with pfoas pre-polluted it's in fireproof coatings it's in all kinds of stuff and we can't get rid of it babies are born with it in their bloodstream they didn't ask for that they didn't want to be born that way it is seriously bad. Now, 
let's think about it. People have successfully cooked their food for thousands of years up until the nonstick era in regular pans, first in stone and then in ceramic and then in cast iron pans and more recently in steel. And they're all good. They all work fine. People have cooked and eaten for thousands of years. If they hadn't been able to, we would have died off as a species of starvation, right? So why do we need the nonstick pans? Just because we're lazy and we don't know how to cook properly and we have no skills? Just stop using them. You know how you make your food not stick to your pan? You cook it correctly. You dry off your proteins first. You preheat your pan. You add your oil or your fat. Then you add your food to the pan and you cook it. That's how you do it. It's simple. You just need to know how to do it. Oh, but what about eggs? Everyone says, oh, but what about eggs? Eggs are so hard to cook. Same idea. Preheat your pan. Add some fat. Get it nice and hot. Put in your pan. Put in your egg. Your egg will float around in the pan on a cushion of fat and hot air, which actually sounds like a really kind of nice way to go. I'm just going to float around on a cushion of fat and hot air. That sounds really good, actually. So use more fat and less Teflon. Thank you for your time. Public service announcement. And speaking of fat and fake stuff, I'm. do I even really need to get into this one? You know where I'm going, right? I'm pretty sure the message is out there now about the fake fats like margarine and non-dairy butter flavored spreads, right? I mean, you guys don't use any of that shit, do you? Well, maybe you don't, but the supermarket aisles are still full of the crap. People are still buying and eating the fake fats and the fake spreads in the sad, sad misbelief that whipped up soybean oil and hydrogen with flavorings is somehow a better for you product than butter or olive oil or bacon fat or duck fat or any of the fats that we've eaten for 10,000 years of human eating existence. And it's true. People still buy it. I see tubs of this shit in my private clients' houses, in their refrigerators. My rich, rich, highly educated, successful clients. People who are partners at Goldman Sachs. People who are former Hollywood actors from the 80s. People who are famous opera divas at the Met. They all have tubs of fake fat spreads and buttery sprays in their gigantic, expensive, minivan-sized refrigerators. Come on, people. Listen to me on this one. The ruse is up. Eat real fat. Use real fat. Cook in a real pan. Make real food. No nonstick pans. Maybe don't eat plastic fish. Or this last one, which I have done multiple episodes on, harped and carped on many times, breakfast cereals are garbage. Okay? Just breakfast cereal is crap. Don't eat it. There are nothing but ways of using up surplus industrial grains and sugars. They have no nutritional value, minimal to no nutritional value. And basically, breakfast cereal makes people fat and diabetic. I know, because I used to eat cereal too. It was called ancient grains. I thought I was doing the right thing. Ancient grains. And it had very low sugar and all kinds of groovy grains in it. And I'd eat a bowl of it with skim milk. Then I'd go to work and I'd have a total blood sugar meltdown crash every day right around 10 o'clock. And I'd have to eat a giant block of cheese. Because I was starving for protein and fat. Now I eat hot quinoa with an egg and spices and sesame seeds, and I'm fed and full and good to go until at least noon. Eat real food, people. Cereal isn't real food. And cereal manufacturers are freaking out because people know this, probably from listening to me. I'm going to take credit for it, that cereal manufacturers are freaking out. But people know this, and they're aggressively trying to relaunch and remarket cereal to millennials. The millennials. 
who are eschewing cereal in droves. Millennials are leaving the cereal aisle in droves. Now, I was hoping that the millennials were rejecting cereal because they knew that it was total crap, that they had been enlightened and they were smart. But it turns out that the millennials aren't eating cereal, you know, because they care about what they eat, but it's not that. They just said that it was too much work to use a bowl. It's too much work to have to get a bowl and get a spoon and pour the cereal and then have to wash them. Because these are those kids who were raised on the squeezy fruit pouches and the chicken nuggets in the back of the minivan. And now they're all grown up and they're unable to use a spoon. I present America's future leaders to you, ladies and gentlemen of the Let's Get Real audience. Okay, so non-stick pans, fake fats, and cereal. These are the things that I know for sure, 100% to be true. Everything else, I don't know anymore. I'm not so sure, but... These, I can, I can tell you, I'm never going to change my mind or my position on these. And of course, there's a bunch more, but I'm running out of time. And if you really want to hear more, guess what? There's 149 other episodes of Let's Get Real that you can download and listen to that cover hundreds of topics and foods. And of course, let us not forget foodiness, the main plank of this show. Oh, and they're all for free. Did I mention that? All for free. So until next week, thanks for, thanks for sticking with my madness for these last 150 shows. And, um, you know, I'm going to get back in the pool and start thinking about what I'm going to talk about again. And we'll see you next week. for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.